We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. We are here Wednesday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Just as a reminder, your April Fool's jokes are not funny, so do not make any of them. We have a new format. This is not normal. I am not normally a host. That normally, if you're used to hearing my voice, comes from Nick Schmitz. But Nick is taking the month off uh, because he's lazy and entitled. So that's where we're going from here. I have two new people, and I'm promising to try and keep them apart because I have an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, or at least a defensive line coach. I guess, Russ, you can clarify what uh, where exactly you fall in line on that. But I have old friend Owen Reese here, and Owen is back. So, Owen, say hi to the people and give them – it's been a while since you've been on here, so give them a little bit of background. Yeah, what's up to the people? Um, I am a uh, graduate assistant at Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, helping with the offensive line, so that's why I've been – uh, somewhat preoccupied, or that's kind of what I've been up to, uh, why it wasn't more uh, consistently on Twitter during the season, at least during the Badgers and Packers seasons. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Let's turn it over to, to Russ. And I have, yeah, a new guy for me here. It's Russell Brown. Russ, we've never worked together, but you have been on this podcast before. And as we noted uh, prior uh, to the show starting here, you are a Detroit Lions fan, and I'm going to make the same joke on the air that I did off, as I didn't know those existed until just now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I got approached by Andy Herman last year to, to do a, the Pack-A-Day podcast, uh, and I think I might have 
kind of was mutual with it. And I, I said, you know, I, I, I'm down to do it just simply because I've got, you know, experience covering the draft and, and doing all of that stuff. But I, I kind of give Packers fans uh, an outside view of things. I'm, I'm not like, you know, because a lot of the times, and you guys do a terrific job, so you don't really see it very often, but a lot of the times with team-based stuff, you get a lot of fandom and uh, hopes and dreams and not really reality. So um, as much as I, I like fantasy, you know, I, I want to give Packers fans the reality of things. So I don't know how much reality I can give you with the my football knowledge of being a, a fan of a terrible football franchise. But yes, you know, I'm a former D-line coach. I was an off the off, off the you know off the ball type of linebacker in high school uh, was never big enough to, to play at college but uh, yeah I've covered the draft for quite a few years now I do radio spots all over I join you guys every year so it's a lot of fun yeah you mentioned the Lions being a, a bad franchise the stat that I love from them from this past season is that the Lions or the Packers led the Lions for a grand total of zero seconds this season and won both games I still don't entirely know how that's possible. But it's Detroit. So uh, Detroit now, of course, the home of Geronimo Allison. Uh, maybe you can tell us real quick, is there any excitement about that signing at all? I mean, I like the deal. It's it's cool. I mean, he, they needed another receiver. Of course, they'll sign one and not draft one and take advantage of a really good wide receiver class. So that's them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had 34 receptions last year. I, he's a big slot receiver. I mean, he operated out of a slot quite a bit. Um, but, he, you know, he had five drops this past year. So I'm just kind of intrigued. He's not like an elite athlete, I don't think. But, um, you know, at 6'3", I think he'll be able to create some separation on, on some nickels. Uh, but overall, you know, I don't know. I mean, they've got their three receivers, Amendola, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. It's a depth signing. He might be just a camp body at this point, with just judging by the contract. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, not much higher than the deal that the Packers just gave Devin Funchess. A little bit more money uh, to Funchess there, but the Lions take Geronimo Allison after that happens. So we're getting ready to move into our main topic here. But before we move on, oh, and I must ask, have we established the run? The run is, is currently being established. We are uh... – I'm getting the run established on me by a graduate paper. We talked about this prior to the show. Um, graduate school is is um, possessing the ball right now, uh, but we're working on, on t- establishing the run on our end. So we're, we're getting there. Oh, gosh, I do not miss having to write those papers or anything of that sort. So tonight, our topic is two of the more popular names amongst the draft Twitter sphere. And, Russ, you kind of mentioned some fantasy reality type stuff well everybody's fantasy on twitter from at least i can gather from a packers standpoint is drafting a wide receiver in the first round they have not done that since 2002 when they traded up to select javon walker out of florida state walker had eh, one really good season some other okay seasons eventually got injured and then was traded to the denver broncos uh, shortly before the end of brett Favre's career there and if memory serves i'd have to check this to be sure but if memory serves i think the pick that the packers traded walker for turned into greg jennings so that was a positive at least for a little while uh, but the two guys we have tonight are denzel mims out of baylor and we have justin jefferson out of lsu and i want to start with mims because it's the first one that's listed on my sheet here there's really no reason in particular but this is a guy who to me, is a classic uh, combine senior bowl offseason riser. He is like the opposite of what Jagai Polite did last year. That's what Mims did this year. Uh, he killed the senior bowl, had a really good combine, apparently by all accounts has crushed most of the interviews. And I remember talking about him in late January, early February, and some people were 
liking him a whole lot as a potential third round pick. And now there are a lot of people thinking that the, the three receivers that seem to be the top of everyone's list are Jerry Judy out of Alabama, Henry Ruggs out of Alabama and CD lamb out of Oklahoma. And there seems to be some real smoke, if you will, that uh, Mims could be the fourth receiver, the first one taken after those three guys, which is interesting to me just because that doesn't seem like something that it hap- that would happen if you had told me about this in January. So I want to go at this from like a process standpoint. Russell, as connected as you are and from what you know, what you've studied, who you've talked to, those kinds of things, is this something that is kind of coming out of nowhere? And what do you think about players that use the offseason like that to rise as much as they do? I don't think it's out of the – I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, he certainly could be, you know, the fourth receiver off the board. Um, you know, for months I've been saying Henry Ruggs could be the, the – he should be the first receiver off the board. It wouldn't surprise me, and now that's being circulated. So I'm not saying, like, you know, I created that. But, I mean, anything can possibly happen. And for Mims, yeah, he, he has a lot of fits. A lot of teams could look at him and say, hey, by the time the Packers get on the clock at 30th, he could be that player already off the board. Uh, I mean, you, you look at Philadelphia at 21. They could look at a wide receiver, Minnesota at 22 or 25. They could certainly look at him. And just with how well he's done at the combine, I mean, that athletic ability is something that teams do covet. I mean, not all of them. It's not. It's, it doesn't you know make or break necessarily a player. But if he was a player that you know, and for me personally, when I watched him, he didn't really do a whole lot. Like I wasn't wowed by him after the the four games that I watched going into the senior bowl. I wasn't like, I see a first round player here. I, I didn't see it. And then you watched him. This is a guy that had, you know, 34 inch arms. He knew how to utilize that length in press coverage. He did it downfield. He utilized it. And then he comes out and he tests really well. So that athletic ability backs it up and you know, kind of now, Hey, I can get this type of athletic ability. I could maybe get this to translate to this type of production. So certainly he should be on the Packers radar because I think that the Packers have needed a wide receiver really since things have gone away from the days of Jordy Nelson and and Randall Cobb. They've made it work a little bit with guys like Alan Lazard and obviously Devontae Adams is a beast, but they need another playmaker there. Denzel Mims could certainly fit into that mix. I, I, I don't buy into the Devin Funches signing as something that's going to buy anybody over and be some type of major production. So for Mims, I mean, long strided athlete. I really like what he, he brings there. I think he's a natural pass catcher. Um, but again, I, I question that athletic ability and, and then he comes out to the combine and he blows it up. So he certainly could be that fourth receiver uh, off the board. Okay, and Owen, I know you love analytics, so I want you to kind of ignore that for a minute and just tell me, when you look at this gentleman's tape, what is it that you see on there that can potentially help Green Bay? Is this the type of – because a lot of people are looking for complementary skill sets, and at least it's hard to say what kind of receivers Brian Gutekunst likes because he's only the only ones he's drafted have been late-round lottery tickets unless you want to include Jamon Moore, who's no longer in the NFL – the Packers currently have a lot of guys like Mims, tall, long, not necessarily the deepest speed type of player. Uh, but what are some things he could do to help this team if the Packers were, in fact, able to pick him? So I think right away, like, he's really good at what he does. And Baylor, uh, for a long time, obviously they were just under Matt Rule, but even before that with Art Bryles, they don't ask their receivers to do a ton. And while the Packers may have some trepidations about what they experienced with Jamon Moore having a similar type of of receiver I think that Mims is a way up and above athlete compared to what what Jamon Moore was as far as 
a floor of you know what you're going to do athletically against these defenses and what he does. So, right. So, what did he run of a lot of Baylor? Ran a lot of goes. Ran a lot of glances or like longer slants. A lot of quick slants, right? And then like comebacks or other or easy routes, right? And not a ton of of a complex route tree, right? So right away, I think what you have to do if, if what he gives the Packers are those things. Right, he can do those things. He's shown he's a premier athlete. He can do that stuff at a high level. Like Russ talked about, he's a really good hands catcher. Not a lot of inconsistencies that way, right? So he's dependable, and the stuff that you ask him to do early is going to be important, right? Because if you're going to ask him to do a bunch of stuff uh, that he doesn't have a ton of experience doing against elite level players, you might not succeed right away. Like that's not the best scenario for him. Now he did show in Mobile that with a more complex route tree that he was able to do that and succeeded against about every single corner down in Mobile. Now, granted, this wasn't the strongest defensive back class that we've seen in Mobile. Um, but I think what Mims can do, uh, I think he gives you the opportunity to play Z, right? So he's um, so the Z receiver is typically off of the line. Um, in the Big 12, you don't see a lot of press coverage, uh, so that's not going to be something that he has a ton of experience dealing with. He showed the ability to do it. Uh, in, in Mobile, but it, like you could play the Z and allow Devontae Adams to stay at X where he can use his uh, release prowess off the line of scrimmage um, you know, to consistently get open. Uh, Mims can play that Z spot. He's a big dude. He can go up and get catches. And the other thing we talked about prior to coming on the air here is that he hasn't played with a quarterback in college that has had a plus arm. And that's something, obviously, Aaron Rodgers doesn't quite have the physical talent that he did in 2010 or 2011, but he still has the ability – um, to zip the ball in there when it needs to be. And that's something, too, that I think that Mims, after the catch, will be able to benefit from having the ball on him immediately rather than having to either put a ton of air under the ball uh, deep or, or kind of not being able to go quick when he did, did run those quick routes, tunnel screens, quick outs, um, and having the ability to get upfield making a defender miss. I think that's the hardest part of evaluating receivers and, and in any class is there's so many – not great quarterbacks or they're not asked to do a lot of things. I mean, these offenses are not all of them, but they're, they're relatively simple or they ask these guys to do relatively simple things. And some of that is because of the limitations in the quarterback play. Some of that's because of the limitations within uh, the, the player themselves. So Russ, I want to kick back to you real quick. So we mentioned things that he's good at. What's something that Mims needs to work on, or what are some things that concern you going to the next level to where he may not be as successful? It, it, it was certainly the the route tree. That was something that was my biggest concern. Like like Owen talked about it, it was a very simple route tree for him. A lot of go routes, a lot of slant patterns, and I mean you can win in the NFL with that. But it was nothing that made you say, "Oh wow!" I mean this guy is shifty. Like you know Van Jefferson from Florida can certainly win in so many different areas of the field because he's got such good footwork. So it, it really started with his footwork. While he was a natural stride athlete. The footwork just wasn't really there. Um, but if, if he can obviously come in and he can grasp that route tree, um, not just in a week in Mobile, but beyond that and, and through training camp and through the preseason, then I think you can get a guy that can become very productive. And, and that productive that he had at, at Baylor should be able to match. I mean, he had 66 catches this past year, just over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. So I think you could see that type of production next to Devontae Adams uh, moving forward. That's something I like about those all-star games, too, is you're talking about Mims maybe doing some things different in Mobile that he didn't do when he was at Baylor as the complex route tree. Because it's sent by that point, he played four years of college football, 
everybody knows he can run a slant and a go. You know, can he run some deep corner routes? Can he run a post route? Can he run some double move type stuff that he didn't really do when he was at Baylor? Those are the things where when somebody asks, what's the value of the offseason program? I think that's really what it is, is asking those guys. And if they're not able to do it great right now, can you see some glimpses of some things that that you can do? Like cornerbacks that play on the boundary can they play in the slot can they do some things like that the route tree thing with mims like we mentioned so there's a lot of good things here this is a player i think you guys have kind of hit on it i would be really surprised if he's not a first round pick uh just based on everything that's come out like i said uh russ i'm right there with you on thinking rugs is going to be the first wide receiver taken Uh, i don't know if i would necessarily do that if it were me but i do think that that is the way that it's going to go guys that are really fast like that speed kills and we've seen it over and over again where receivers run really fast and that speed shows up on tape, they end up being the first guy taken over some of the guys that maybe aren't as fast or track fast like Henry Ruggs is. But after those three guys that I mentioned earlier, I really do think the closer we get to the draft here and we're three weeks away, I do think Mims is going to be the other guy off the board. Uh, And I think that, you know, you mentioned some teams, Philadelphia, uh, Denver could be a team if they miss out on some guys early, Minnesota, New Orleans, you just, and you never know. Some teams trade up. One trade ruins the entire draft board. That's kind of why I got a friend every year. He wants to make a bet on a mock draft. And I always tell him no, because as soon as some team trades out of their draft slot, like this year, you can pretty much pencil in the first three picks. It's Burrow, it's Young, and the Lions, it's either Okuda or uh, Isaiah Simmons. One of those two guys, I would assume. But after that, one trade, if Miami trades up to one, then you're kind of out of luck there. So that's Denzel Mims. Uh, the other guy that we have is is kind of the, I think he's the consensus favorite, and I'm pulling that, again, based on my timeline, but the favorite for Packers fans, and I, I really think that if you got an honest moment out of Brian Gutekunst and asked him which receiver fits his offense, what they need now, what they've lacked, uh, all those things the best, uh, I think the answer to that question would be Justin Jefferson out of LSU. And Jefferson had a huge year. First caught my eye during uh, this college football season when they played Alabama, and I saw somebody say, that's a baby Devontae Adams. And I don't know if that's necessarily, I don't really like player comps, so to speak, but uh, I think that you can see a few things, at least in terms of his footwork and ability after the catch, that at least resemble that a little bit. But I don't love the comparison, and I don't really love any comparison like I just mentioned. But, oh, and tell me a little bit about Justin Jefferson, played mostly in the slot, played in a big-time offense at LSU, one of the best offenses we've ever seen with a Heisman Trophy winner that's going to play number one. When I mentioned earlier about evaluating because of quarterback play, this ain't one of them. So he's he's had some uh, experience with some pretty good passers, and especially this past year with Joe Exotic. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say this isn't a guy that struggled uh, through bad quarterback play. Um, the one thing, though, I will say is that I, I was more and more impressed the more I watched Jefferson – is that you would think it wouldn't be hard for him to get lost in this offense, right? You've got Joe Burrow, you've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you've got Jamar Chase, who will likely be a first-round wide receiver next year. Uh, You've got Thaddeus Moss, you've got all these guys, right? And Jefferson, I think, probably isn't the most talented receiver on LSU's team, but time and time again, he came up with big catches, had four touchdowns against Oklahoma, uh, I believe in the first half uh, of that semifinal game. And he's a guy that, to me, the, one of the things that, that strikes me the most about him is that I don't think he's the most athletic receiver, right? Like, he's not – his game isn't Henry Ruggs, right? And that's, right. I'm not saying Henry Ruggs' game is limited to that, but he doesn't have the speed to say, I'm just going to run by you and that's it. 
Uh, he doesn't have this super quick twitch after the catch like Jerry Judy uh, trying to pour smoke through a keyhole. Uh, you know, like he's very solid. But I think the biggest thing that I notice is that he gets – he's a good enough athlete, right? Like he's good enough that if you make a mistake, he'll make you pay, right? He caught a quick out against uh, Ole Miss. The defender um, is supposed to be a crack replaced corner, and the corner just took a wrong step. And I think he's probably more athletic than Jefferson was, but that wrong step made him pay, got to the corner. Um, the other thing, too, is is just savvy in his route running. I think he knows. He, he plays like he's the best athlete on the field uh, with his mannerisms, but I think in his mind he knows he isn't, right? So he's, he showed a lot of polish there as a route runner, uh, played a lot in the slot. I think that for a team that has two established outside wide receivers, I think Jefferson would be like a slam dunk on corner for spot. Uh, I wouldn't care if Packers do use him because it's not necessarily a you have to play in the slot um, because I think if the Packers did take him, he would probably be the second most talented receiver on the team. So uh, to me, uh, there's a lot to like about Jefferson. I think the way he plays is a big part of it, right? Like I said, like that when the ball in his hand, he's not afraid to put his shoulder down into somebody. He's got just enough savvy, just enough speed that to make defenders overcommit and can stop on a dime. We've seen multiple times where it'll, you know, like push the juke button backwards like you used to be able to in Madden and make someone miss. Um, and I think that someone without the ball, I think he reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb with the ball uh, in his hands and the kind of the moves he's able to make. And I think that's something that the Packers offense has missed quite a bit. Uh, and so while he's not like the super flashy, high-profile athlete that Mims is uh, or that a lot of receivers are in this class, he did run 4-4 um, and and tested well in Indianapolis, and I think that he uh, would be able to give the Packers offense a lot of things that they don't have right now. Russ, is there, I know some people have, the one of the detractions, if you will, of Jefferson is that he did play outside, but his most productive season did come as a slot receiver. Is there any issue to that? I know a lot of people think that if you have a, or if you're a first round pick at receiver, then you need to be able to play on the boundary uh, primarily. Is that something that would concern you if you were taking him uh, at the at the bottom of the first round? Absolutely not. And I mean, much to the the point of Denzel Mims. I mean, I I personally think Justin Jefferson could be the fourth receiver off the board. Me personally, I I think he's a better receiver than Denzel Mims. And again, that's not a knock on Mims, but if we're talking about absolute value and a slam dunk at thirty for the Packers, this would be the one because. As I talked about, you know, the Lions got Geronimo Allison, and he's going to be that, you know, big slot receiver for them. Well, if you need a big slot receiver, then look no further than maybe the most productive one we've seen in a while in Justin Jefferson at 6'1", 202, um, you know, almost a 38-inch vertical. But this is a guy that had 111 receptions, over 1,500 yards. And according to Pro Football Focus, he had 15, just over uh, 1,500 yards in the slot. And, you know, he had 18 touchdowns this past year, 12 touchdowns um, in the red zone. So he's productive all over the all over the place. And he's a natural hands catcher. I, I just I, I love what he brings to the table. And while he might not look like an elite athlete, something that immediately stood out to me was his ability to attack the middle of the field. I just I thought he did such a good job getting into the middle of the field and getting open for Joe Burrow constantly that he would be an easy transition to the NFL. And I think it would help a, a guy like Aaron Rodgers in the later part of his career would help with Devonte Adams and just help this offense overall that it, if he was there at 30, it would, it's run to the podium. You take this guy. I don't think you necessarily get a hundred receptions out of him. You might, but uh, again, even if you get 80, 
I mean, it's you're you're going to get a lot of production out of him. In my personal opinion, I just I love what he brings to the table. Yeah, I'm of the belief that if he was available at 30, like I said, you I mean, depending on what else is available, obviously, um, you run that card up, and he would be instantly the Packers' most talented slot receiver since Randall Cobb in 2014, and that's now six years ago, and that feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it was. And the Packers have kind of rotated some guys in and out of that position since then. Geronimo Allison started the season as the primary slot receiver. They ended up having so little success with that, it basically became Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams uh, kind of rotating in and out of there. Something I do like about Jefferson is the Packers – very similar to like they did with Mike McCarthy. They do ask their receivers to play other positions. They're not just pigeonholed to one spot. So Jefferson having some at least experience on the boundary is something that can help him uh, in his transition. I think the biggest asset he could have early for the Packers, as you guys kind of mentioned it but didn't state it necessarily as explicitly, is that he has the ability in the scramble drill. And that's something with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, you're going to have to play unorthodox because there's a lot of college receivers, college quarterbacks. If they get out of the pocket, they're looking to run or they're throwing it out of bounds. Joe Burrow didn't do that. Uh, When he got out of the pocket, he still kept his eyes downfield. That's one of his best assets and why he'll be the number one overall pick. He was willing and able to find guys down the field. Jefferson worked back to the ball. He'd uncover, do some of the things that Randall Cobb, frankly, was really good at when the Packers had him and Jordy Nelson in their heyday of their passing game in uh, this modern era here. So Jefferson, I think, is – I agree with you, both of you guys. I think uh, – Owen, I don't know if you said you had a preference. Do you prefer Jefferson to Mims? I, I, I think it would be a better value at the pick. I think if you're staying at 30, I, th- I think um, if Jefferson were to fall, I think he's a better receiver, better player. Um, you know, I can be, I can see the athletic upside with Mims, but I think if you had a gun to your head, I think you would take Jefferson. Okay. So we're all three in agreement. I like Jefferson more than Mims as well. I have him ranked uh, as my fourth receiver behind those guys. I, Russ, I know you mentioned that he could be the fourth guy off the board. I hope that's not the case. Cause if that is the case, I I'm guessing that he's not uh, going to be a green Bay Packer. If that were the case, there are some landmines and obstacles. That's kind of one of the downsides to, Picking 30th, it's it's fun during the season because if you're picking 30th, that means the team's pretty good. But uh, once you get to the offseason here, uh, picking 30th, there's 29 guys, I think that's math, that go in front of you. And it's probably going to be somebody you want at some point along the way. But we're out of time. Uh, Russ is a big time here, and he's got to get to some of his other commitments here. So, Russ, if people want to follow you on Twitter, find your work, where can we find you? Smash the follow button on Twitter, at Russ NFL Draft. Um, of course, as well, follow my boy, Big O, over there as well. What is it, at Draft as well? So please do the same. Yeah, Owen, I think you gave your stuff out. But, yeah, where is it at? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take charity at this point in this economy. Um, at Draft, <laughs> R-I-E-S-E, Draft. Um, Packers tweets, Badgers tweets, pro wrestling, uh, Rick and Morty quotes. It's it's all good stuff. So. And home of Green Bay Packers legend Jake Kumaro, UW-Whitewater grad assistant offensive line coach, uh, and pro Greg Gard tweets, which I am a proponent of. So uh, Greg Gard, national champion, head basketball coach of your Wisconsin Badgers, in case you guys did not catch that for this NCAA Jake tournament. champion head coach with eight scholarship players, in case you hadn't heard that's insane. That's ridiculous every time somebody says it. So, guys, I know you hate receivers, so thank you for indulging me. The next two weeks we have interior offensive line and offensive tackles. So, Russ, we probably won't have to talk a whole hell of a lot because Owen will just do it the whole time. But I appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you guys for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.